Hello, I'm Derek S. McGrath. My pronouns are he, him, his. I'm recording this on Tuesday, September 5th, 2023. And on Wednesday, September 6th, 2023, I will be recording another audio commentary as I continue going through Season 5 of Bungo Stray Dogs. Last time we looked at Season 5, Episode 8 of Bungo Stray Dogs, Episode 58 overall, titled Land of Inhuman Demons, Part 1. This week we're looking at Season 5, Episode 9, Episode 59 overall, titled Land of Inhuman Demons, Part 2. This audio commentary is released Wednesday night after the premiere of the episode and is available for any patrons at the $5 tier at patreon.com slash Derek S. McGrath. And then this commentary will be public and free by Sunday night to watch on YouTube or listen via the podcast RSS link in the description. There are timestamps in the description to skip ahead to different parts of this commentary. In this audio commentary, I will talk about the episode trailer, then which chapters I think will be adapted. We'll get into the audio commentary, and at the end, I'll share my post-episode reactions and any additional thoughts and news about all things Boongo. Plus, after this week's episode, I want to talk a bit about Season 5, Episode 8, as there are some topics I don't think I covered as well as I should have last time, such as Dazai watching Chuya drown, and Sigma potentially decorated with the Rising Sun motif. And now, a disclaimer. I expect a lot of me sighing, making exasperated groans, and just whining about not liking this episode. I also have an initial script of stuff I'm ready to read from after I actually watch this episode, and I would not be surprised that this audio commentary runs long so that it is unlistenable. I know there are timestamps to help with skipping around, but I think it's asking a lot for people to sit through my tirade. So, let me give a disclaimer. If you don't want to hear a lot of whining that goes on longer than it should, I will take no offense. You can stop the audio commentary now. I'll be here next week for the next episode. If you're up for listening then, thank you for your consideration. Also, content warning for discussing an episode and manga chapters with representations of violence, blood loss, death, war, and suicide. There is also a spoiler warning for all of Bungo Stray Dogs, and I do mean all of it, up to chapter 110 of the Bungo Stray Dogs manga, as well as the films, stage plays, light novels, and audio dramas. Also, you can hear my reaction to Bungo Stray Dogs chapter 110 at the link in the description. And if you think I'm going to whine about this episode, then yeah, you probably don't want to hear me whine about chapter 110 either. I didn't like that chapter. I anticipate I will end up mentioning chapter 110 whenever Aya and Bram show up in this episode. Based on which chapters are adapted in this week's episode, I expect Aya and Bram will appear at the very beginning of the episode, but nowhere else. They aren't in this week's trailer, so nothing is 100% certain whether they will appear. But if Aya and Bram do show up in this week's episode, I will be complaining about Chapter 110, so look out for that wine fest. Let's talk about the trailer first. On Monday, September 4, 2023, Kadokawa released the trailer for Season 5, Episode 9. And September 4, 2023 is when Chapter 110 came out in English in the U.S., 
and September 4, 2023 is Labor Day. And the people who work on this anime deserve better pay. You can't have Labor Day without labor. But moving forward, what do we see in this trailer? As with the previous episode, this episode is again divided across different storylines, this time three storylines. So let me handle each story one at a time. The trailer begins with Dazai and Sigma in prison. Later, we see Dazai and Sigma in an elevator. Sigma looks comically worried. Depending on how far this episode and this season adapts the manga, Sigma will stop looking comically worried and will be intensely worried. I want to pause here and talk about the color scheme in this trailer. I get the point that Merceau, as a prison, of course, is going to look more drab and boring. But I also can't help but think for this animation that I wish the colors popped more, as they did when Dazai and Theodore were in their locked cells, because the color in those scenes between Dazai and Theodore were about the only engaging part of their dialogue. And now that the climax of drowning Chuya and Theodore has happened, things are going to get so much more boring. Unless the security room suddenly pops with color when Theodore does his thing and when Sigma confronts Theodore in the security room, the Merceau stuff is going to be drab. Let's go to the second storyline. Atsushi is no longer tied to the bed. He says something to Teruko, Teruko kicks up the bed and berates Atsushi, We'll get to Atushi and Teruko's conversation later. But here, I do like the use of shadows on Teruko. The posing and angle as well makes her look intimidating. Not at all to make short jokes about Teruko, but it is impressive how the story has made Teruko, who has kept herself de-aged to this young age, can look imposing. And finally, the third storyline, we are finally at Fukuzawa vs. Fukuchi. I am not looking forward to this for three reasons. Reason one why I dislike this. As I have spoiled, Fukuchi is going to win this fight and stab Fukuzawa seemingly to death. Reason two why I dislike this. Fukuchi only wins because of that damn time travel sword he is swinging at Fukuzawa. There is a lie in what I just said that Fukuchi will win by the time travel sword. That is accurate, but it is not precise, so it is a lie. We will talk about that. Reason 3 why I dislike this. We are rushing this. Look at who was behind Fukuchi in the trailer. That is Rompo, stabbed and knocked out on the airport tarmac. Fukuchi did that. That is the time travel that left Fukuchi stab Rompo and Fukuzawa having to see his son stabbed by this sick piece of shit is why Fukuzawa is going to lose. That is the accuracy. But since that isn't how Fukuchi technically wins this fight, that is imprecise and hence a lie. But we'll get to that. What we don't see in this moment in the trailer is that Fukuchi also has off-camera Tanizaki and Kunikita held captive. That means this episode is going to have Fukuchi using his time travel sword to search the airport to find Tanizaki and Kunikita, kidnap them, then Rompo is going to try to use Poe's book to capture Fukuchi, then Fukuchi uses time travel to stab Rompo before he can use the book, 
More on that in a moment, because no postbook should have captured Fukuchi before time travel kicked in. Then Fukuzawa battles Fukuchi and stabs him to seemingly death. That is a lot to take in. Depending on how many chapters this episode adapts, Fukuzawa is going to seemingly die. That is going to be sad. I want to go back to Fukuchi with that stupid time travel sword. In this trailer, we see Fukuchi wielding the time travel sword. In the manga, Fukuzawa dodges the time travel sword, attacking him from the future. This is a story telling us that Fukuchi won't win with the time travel sword. That means Fukuchi wins without needing the time travel sword, seeing as he takes Fukuzawa's blade with his bare hand before stabbing Fukuzawa to death. Sorry, but no. Dude still cheated with that sword, still cheated using time travel to capture Kunikida, Tanazaki, and Rampo. Congratulations, Story, for making me hate Fukuchi more and wanting to see him defeated. And screw you, Story, for this hackneyed work to attempt to make Fukuchi sympathetic without actually making Fukuchi sympathetic. Oh, and one other part from this trailer. We get the flashbacks that Fukuchi and Teruko tell Atushi about Fukuchi's childhood and younger years with Fukuzawa. We see how the two first met in combat as students, then Fukuzawa refusing to join Fukuchi in war, and how devastated Fukuchi is by this refusal. I want to wait to get into this, but I think I need to talk about it now. Fukuchi's entire arc is just because of what Fukuzawa did. Fukuchi is going to say, no, this isn't about revenge. No. No. Fuck that noise. That is bullshit. Fukuchi is a rotten liar. Fuck him. Fuck that fascist. There is nothing in this story that convinces me that Fukuchi's actions the last two episodes are out of his stated goal to dissolve all nations. The man says he hates war, then starts a war. This is not a man who believes what he is saying. Before I continue my rant, I want to get credit to Tumblr user Rosaline Survived, who points out, no, Fukushi definitely wants revenge. Dude didn't have to frame the agency. He could have stopped them in any number of other ways. No, he wanted to embarrass Fukuzawa. He wanted to tear apart his organization. But the story has failed to establish very well that Fukuchi isn't just getting vengeance on Fukuzawa. As Rosalind Survive on Tumblr puts it, there is cruelty here to frame Fukuzawa, to kill him. This is all about Fukuzawa, not just to stop war or nations. And that is why I will discount what Fukuchi is going to say in this episode, that being that when Fukuzawa accuses Fukuchi of doing all this to get revenge on Fukuzawa, Fukuchi is going to say no he isn't, and the story seems to be telling the audience yes Fukuchi is telling the truth because Fukuchi doesn't hesitate at all before killing Fukuzawa and saying this has nothing to do with him. No hesitation, no way to show the audience that Fukuchi is lying to himself. And then after he gets revenge on Fukuzawa, he still moves forward with using one order to start World War III and destroy all nations. If this was only revenge, then Fukuchi would have stopped. Unless it's just that Fukuchi is as far gone and keeps going, which I also think is persuasive. And there is one more reason why the story insists that Fukuchi wasn't lying, that he was telling the truth that revenge on Fukuzawa has nothing to do with this. 
and it's when Teruko explains to Atushi why Fukuchi is doing this, and then the story cuts away from Teruko's explanation, like Dobby revealing his real identity to Hawks when we already know Dobby's real identity because anyone could have seen that coming, and then we cut back to Atushi hearing this, believing the story, and even agreeing that Fukuchi is right to do what he is doing. Sure would be nice if the audience got to hear that story. I am going to be repeatedly apologizing for my annoyance with Bungo Stray Dogs because I feel like I'm one of the worst kinds of so-called fans, where my engagement lately has been nitpicking everything. But I am one of those worst kinds of fans. I am treating this as an art of storytelling, so I'm coming in asking why the author is making these choices. Why do we go away from Atsushi? To build yet another dull mystery as to Fukuchi's motivations? Who cares? The guy just killed Fukuzawa and is starting World War III. I don't care about this fascist, sympathetic backstory. I just want this story done and this bad guy defeated. For an arc that has been so rushed, it has also dragged so long that I just want Fukuchi defeated. If this is to make me think, well, Atushi agrees with the fascists, then what is the point of that? Is it that Atushi is our sympathetic protagonist, so if he agrees with Fukuchi, we should too? Then just show us what Fukuchi wants, not depending only on what Atushi thinks. Yes, we like Atushi and see him as our audience surrogate, but we also have our own minds and can make our own decisions, so just tell us why Atushi agrees with Fukuchi. Or is this to show that fascists have sway over people, and that is a warning that we should not let ourselves be swayed by fascists? Again, the story needs to tell us why Fukuchi is doing this so that we know how we can be swayed. But Fukuchi is not some noble, tragic hero, at least not as shown by any material in the manga or the anime. He is just a villain. Make us wonder whether Fukuchi is correct. Otherwise, I sit here thinking the only reason Atushi thinks Fukuchi is correct is because the good guys in the story are naive. Or, as we have seen already with Atushi, that he has made some bad decisions before. Crying for the orphanage master and this story endorsing that kind of psychological and physical abuse will remain one of the worst parts of this series. Right up there with all of Mori and the damn incest gags with the Tanizaki siblings. I want to move on from the trailer, but there is more I want to talk about. Namely, what is not in the trailer. And to do that, let's talk about which chapters will be adapted in this episode and what happens in those chapters. The trailer shows scenes from chapters 102.5, 103, and 103.5 titled Wicked Realms Beyond Mankind Part 1, Section 2, and Part 2, Sections 1 and 2. I still hate this title structure. I usually avoid summarizing the plot of the week's episode before we watch it together because I don't see a point in repeating myself more than I need to but I do reread the manga as well as I can before each episode, and I still miss a ton of stuff. More relevant for this week's episode, 
a lot is happening in the manga at this point where the anime is adapting. And I do lose track of all of it. The trailer is not showing you everything we're getting today. Let's go back to the trailer and fill in some blanks. Sigma and Dazai. We see them in the elevator. That means this episode is going to reveal Theodore survived the drowning room by having Vampire Chuya use his gravity ability. Theodore then makes a trip to the cat burglar, shoots her dead. Yay, a fridging. That's just fucking lovely and not at all fucking infuriating. With the cat burglar dead, Theodore prevents Dazai from getting messages from Ongo. And for good measure, Theodore fills the elevator with water and crashes it down the elevator shaft to kill Dazai and Sigma. How much of that will be in today's episode, or saved for episodes 10 and 11, or, God I hope this is what happens, saved for season 6 episode 1, I don't know. At least this episode will give everyone the line of Theodore talking about being cold and wet, so as I said in the previous audio commentary, have fun with Theodore's wet remark, my very mature collection of thoughtful audience members. That takes care of what from Sigma and Dazai's story is not in today's trailer. What is in the other stories that we don't see in this trailer? I pretty much already summarized all of that. Teruko is going to free Atushi and give Fukuchi's backstory to him. Teruko is also going to reveal she is already part of the Decay of the Angel and will give Atushi the choice to stay out of the fight or go back into it. She is going to say that upon learning from Fukuchi that the agency aren't terrorists, that is why she is letting Atushi go. I hate this. I hate this entire storytelling choice. I throw up my hands here as well. Why? Why are we doing this? Is this to show Teruko is not fully on-team fascist? Okay, so why didn't she oppose Fukuchi earlier? Why is she letting Atushi make his own decision here? Why is Atushi treated as the protagonist and let go when Teruko doesn't know this is all a work of fiction and wouldn't be letting Atushi go when she is already a professed killer and torturer? Is this to show that she does know this is a work of fiction, as she seems to hint to Atushi when revealing to him, but not us in the audience, why Fukuchi is really doing all of this? Or, when she points out to Atushi how Fukuchi has an obsession about the lack of divine justice, meaning that there is some author to all their lives toying with them? Please tell me we aren't going to get that metatextual in this story right now, we already have vampires, a super weapon with a face on it, World War III about to start, and Aya killing herself. That's enough. Stop adding more and more than the story can handle, Asagiri. Or, is this all to show Teruko is hesitant to follow all of Fukuchi's orders, thinking this is going too far? Are you freaking kidding me, Teruko? How is this going too far, after everything she did? Because Fukuchi only revealed his grand scheme to her right before he killed Tachihara, is she now getting self-doubt because, back on Sky Casino, she already thought Atushi and the agency members were terrorists, but now that she knows the truth that Atushi is not a terrorist, she refuses to kill him? She says as much. This should be clear to me. 
And yet I read what she says on the page of the manga and I do a double take thinking now, now this is going too far for you? This is like Juno all over again. I'm not sympathizing with that fucking war criminal and I'm not sympathizing with this tiny fascist who would be torturing people in Gitmo. I know this is nitpicking. I know that Teruko literally says to Atushi in the manga that she is letting Atushi go because she knows he's not a terrorist but she is not going to help him stop Fukuchi because she believes in his mission. Then why are you letting Atushi go? I am so tired of this story taking narrative shortcuts. This lends complexity to Teruko, but doesn't explain it. It's a decision scene made so that the plot can have Atushi face off against Vampire Kutsugawa. That's it. It's an artifice. As bad as Kenji not bringing Aya to Lucy's room, or Kenji not just pulling the sword out of Bram because the plot decides Techo now shows up. It's letting the artifice of the storytelling get in the way of the story being believable. It's too coincidental or too out of character. <sighs> what else is in the manga but not in the trailer? In the manga, we see Fukuchi and Fukuzawa sparring as kids, they tie in repeated matches. If I don't talk about it this week, I'll have to mention it another time, but to abbreviate this. You know, if you wanted to make this story better, and show Fukuzawa may have a point that Fukuchi is just jealous, you could have had Fukuchi mention far earlier that he is a formidable fighter, only for someone else to remind him that Fukuzawa won more of their sparring matches. You could have brought that up in the Season 4 light novel adaptation, or when Fukuchi meets Fukuzawa when he's jailed, or when Rampo approaches Fukuchi at the UN or on the ship. That'd be a nice setup, so we aren't doing the setup and payoff in one episode, and thus make this all seem like a last-minute addition because the writer realized the story wasn't working and needed to backfill information this late. Again... Back to the trailer, we see how devastated Fukuchi is that Fukuzawa refuses to go to war with him. Given how well Studio Bones in the trailer portrays Fukuchi's devastation, I really hope they nail how Fukuzawa regrets this too. So, to reiterate, based on the trailer, Season 5, Episode 9 should adapt Chapters 102.5, titled Wicked Realms Beyond Mankind Part 1, Section 2, and Part 2, Sections 1 and 2. I still hate this title structure. But the trailer also shows all the scenes from Chapter 4, titled The Two Fukus Part 1. This opens up three problems. First, I had really hoped The Two Fukus was going to be the title to its own anime episode. Second, however, if this story goes on for more than one episode this season, then episode 10 may indeed be titled The Two Fukus and Adapt Chapter 104.5. But third, that means that this season will just keep adapting more of the manga and means that Studio Bones indeed will adapt everything already in the manga or will adapt story beats before they appear in the manga. That sucks. And you know what else sucks? We only have two more episodes this season. 
and I'm not happy how this trailer makes it look like the Fukuchi and Fukuzawa fight and all the flashbacks will end here. If that is the case, then this episode will adapt more than just three chapters, as other episodes had. That's a lot of chapters to force into one episode. Maybe by page count that is comparable to what other episodes have adapted, but this is a lot of content, and that doesn't leave much room for two more episodes this season. If this episode does adapt all of chapter 104.5, that leaves nine chapters currently published but not yet adapted into the anime, and yes, I'm counting 0.5 chapters as full chapters. That chapters 105, 105.5, 106, 106.5, 107, 107.5, 108, 109, and 110. That again leaves us with three options. First option, the remaining two episodes adapt up to chapter 110. Second option, the remaining two episodes adapt content not yet published and won't appear until chapters 111, 112, and so on get published starting in October 2023. Third option, the remaining two episodes are a light novel adaptation. There is a fourth option that Studio Bones goes off in its own direction, but that is unlikely with Asagiri advising the season. I don't think this will be like Soul Eater or even Soul Eater Not. I think this is a Faustian bargain for me. To wish we instead get a two-episode light novel adaptation, when the light novel adaptations are hit or miss, and when two episodes is not enough. But given how dreary, rushed, and incomplete this arc is going to be if we really do adapt up to chapter 110, then all I can say is, bring on a Stormbrainer two-parter or a 55 minutes two-parter. As I said, I'm not looking forward to this episode, so let's just get it over with. Let's begin today's audio commentary for Season 5, Episode 9, Episode 59 overall, titled... Land of Inhuman Demons Part 2. It is now Wednesday, September 6, 2023. I had today's episode pulled up and paused. You can watch this episode on the Crunchyroll website, then pause the episode before it starts. I will do a countdown, so after I finish saying 3, 2, 1, unpause, you can unpause the episode and watch along with my audio commentary. Everyone ready? Okay, starting the countdown, 3, 2, 1, unpause. We're already starting with the ominous music. I really hope they don't adapt Chapter 110 this season. Good acting on Aya Spears. I wish they had made it more ambiguous whether Aya just got killed. They cut the part of Kunikida saying, I'm going to have to give her a warning. And it looks like they also cut Fukuchi using the time travel sword to locate Tanazaki and Kunikida. We are speeding through this, which may mean that we do end this episode with Fukuzawa getting stabbed to death. Or 
again, I really hope we don't do the rest of this season with the manga. I hope we cut to a light novel. To explain what happened if they don't show it, in the manga, Fukuchi uses the time travel sword as he's searching each location. So he splits out the airport into quadrants, searches one, then leaves a mark for himself in the past saying, I already searched here, skip this. And he keeps going until he spots where Tanazaki and Kunikida are. And that's where he knows where to go to capture them. If Fukuchi had shown that kind of intelligence earlier and wasn't just a cheat with the time travel sword, I'd shrug it off and say, okay, that's a smart strategy. It's one of the few moments I've seen military strategy from this fascist. If I have a criticism before we get into anything in the episode, between Theodore drowning Dazai and Sigma and Fukuchi potentially stabbing Fukuzawa to death, I think there's going to be too much in this episode. Each one should have just been its own episode. So we're already getting the flashback to Tokoyami Island. So we are starting with the Fukuchi Fukuzawa fight, which means, yeah, we're probably going to end it in this episode. We should have had more interaction between these two all season. This is from the original manga. It's not... They did a good job nailing Fukuzawa looking shocked at what is happening. They did cut that Rompo also opened his eyes, so we're making the focus just Fukuchi and Fukuzawa rather than including Rompo. That disappoints me because it really is going to turn Rompo into a prop, which is similar to what happens to Atushi in chapter 110. And that should work, and that's why I don't like this. I didn't remember the stabbing happening that early. I didn't like the staging there. It's too fast, it's too quick. And I don't like how this style has persisted to keep the faraway shots faceless, expressionless, like literally no eyes, no mouth. It's getting tiresome as a stylistic choice. And it's why I had to kind of laugh and say, so many people hated Soul Eater not for doing cheaping now on the Eternal Feather versus Maka fight. I would say that all of these faraway shots are also a cheap strategy that doesn't work for this series. Well, you killed other people by torturing them to death. You've given us no indication we should trust you. This should be a wrinkle to complicate her characterization, especially since she is 
Yeah, you were told the truth this morning. Okay, I got that detail wrong. I thought in the manga that she only learns when Tachihara was killed, so... I kind of get the point that by making it just this morning, it makes her inner conflict, giving her less time to think through her inner conflict. But the fact that she is still agreeing this quickly, I almost kind of wish that they had said she knew since Sachihara was killed, and that's why she has had enough time to think it through and agrees with Fukuchi, rather than being a snap decision like it is in this episode. I almost wish we included a comedic beat there to have Atushi just look stunned by it. I should appreciate that it isn't used comedic. And I've rolled my eyes now at the justice argument. I do miss that Atushi looks far more defiant before she choked him when he said justice. I'm not going to get too far into current politics, but I understand the point that justice is a nice word that lacks meaning without people actually making it fair for all. This story is still not quite going there. And there's that shot again. I'm not sure how far I'll get to it in this episode, but this sword fights. It's probably going to be staged like the movie Blade or Star Wars Episode 1, where it's just sword hit sword, sword hit sword, where it's overly choreographed rather than looking like that's actually how the fight was supposed to be. Now, cutting away before the blood goes through, yeah, and then just exposing it as the hands, that should defy the choreography, but now we're speeding up this fight. And we're already having the pocket knife used to stab Fukuzawa. And that's supposed to tell us, see, he didn't use the time travel sword to cheat. He used strategy and was able to do this on his own. He still used the time travel sword to catch Fukuzawa off guard and used it to capture Rompo, Tanizaki, and Kunikita. He is a cheater. And yeah, now I'm being irate. Oh, brother. These voices, I was hoping we would pitch them up and go much younger with Fukuchi. I want more like a Black Star voice. I want... Because that's the personality. This is an annoying character. Little Fukuzawa looking a little bit like a smirk. Not quite, so I appreciated how that was drawn. And we're speeding this up... Uh, the story is supposed to be Fukuchi was going through everyone else's dojo and just invading and attacking everyone, and that's why Fukuzawa was standing up to put this bully down. Again, for Teruko to act like justice is just an idea, it's not real, it's like, it is real. We can see here that Fukuzawa is trying to promote fairness, and then that gets compromised when he goes to war, which means we are going to... I can't see us not adapting the two Fukus in this chapter. 
I really, really hope we get a light novel next. I don't want us to rush into the rest of this manga. And Lil Fukuzawa getting that adorable smile. Okay, 13 years later, so this helps with the timeline again. In comparison to when Yosano and Fukuchi first went to war. And there, the pedal breaks in half for heartbreak. So, this is reinforcing the queer subtext or text readers are getting out of this. And the minor world building to clarify Fukuzawa was already doing expensive assassination work to afford that sake in the middle of the war. I don't know the symbolism behind the two birds. I mean, the one flying off we know is one of them abandoning the other. I did like Fukuzawa's little smile there when bragging about the sake. I like that we're making it so that Fukuzawa's personality is a bit different back then. It's almost like we could lend this kind of complexity to Teruko, but we're not doing that. The artwork on the cherry blossom tree limb swain is good enough. It's CGI-esque, but it doesn't ruin the scene. And yeah, everyone's going to be reading this as a romance. Ironic foreshadowing. I'm not convinced why Fukuzawa didn't join. I mean, it's supposed to connect to he already knows he's going to take joy in killing, and then that's why he finally goes into the assassination work to end this war, but then stops when he knows he is enjoying it. It's not spelled out well enough here, and it's not giving us enough time. Right. So, if Fukuzawa just said, I'm going to be doing assassination work to bring this war to an end, that's why I'm not going to the battlefield with you. Okay, I appreciate that detail. I didn't remember the manga making it that clear that, yes, this is Fukuzawa assassinating to end the war. I do appreciate that artwork. And there we get the demon line to clarify Fukuchi is this demon. And we cut away from Atushi hearing the explanation, which means the audience doesn't know anything. I hate this choice. Right, so he's saying, I challenge the divine justice. It is hard for me not to read this as... There is some greater god and author of their stories, and Fukuchi is not just going to end nations. We went too fast. We shouldn't have had Fukuzawa lose that quickly. We did not get the fight we deserved. It... I don't... And see, using time travel sword again, but please, please, please keep telling me he didn't cheat. And now he's calling it a comedy, which reinforces that one person who said this is all an absurd comedy, and I don't agree with that. I hate that. 
storytelling interpretation. I'm not a fan of the lighting choice here. I'm sure the birds as a symbol of peace and the bird we just saw flying away and the flashback will all tie together. When I read this in the manga, it looked more like that, just one light coming from the room behind the UN leader. I also don't like the comedy approach because, Fuku and calling this guy a fool, and that he's going to keep him around. Yeah, he's going to keep him around for amusement. I'm not a fan of any of this. Gogol is our comedian. Fukuchi, this should again be lending complexity, but it's not. You can't trust him. The final five minutes of human history. So, again, what is his intention? He's going to unleash nuclear war and the vampire attack and one order. What is the goal? And that's what's irritating me. And that'll be the irritation if we had to wait an entire hiatus for season six to get an answer because I don't see the manga giving that explanation and the chapters remaining to be adapted, if that is indeed the case. They should have shown Yosano there with the healing part. I appreciate the staging here. This is good. But Bones has skimped on these walking scenes. They already did that with Gogol in episode one this season. They skimped on this fight. We're rushing everything. Fukuzawa grabbing him to Vague is good, and then this is how he gets killed, and that sucks. I almost wish he just called him the first name. He shouldn't have used the time travel sword. They should have had him use another sword so that we again stop acting like he won this by using time travel to cheat. Yeah, if he is so wrong, then tell us the true goal. Is it truly right to stop them? Oh, brother. So now we're going to Atushi, gain the memories of everyone giving him advice what to do. We are rushing this so much, and we shouldn't have done this. And now we're going to get crappy Evangelion references. It looks like we also cut Fitzgerald being one of the ones to goad Atsushi, so we're also skimping on casting. And we also rush Atsushi hearing Akutsugawa and then saying, oh, so you're here too? Our protagonist, ladies and gentlemen, someone who cannot take any action on his own, He's dead. That's the irony. For someone to say this is all absurdist is really tiresome. And Teruko letting him go is also tiresome, but that's a rant for another time. If I don't get to it, I hate this episode. We cut to this pointless gag, and you could say, well, this is how the manga did too. Yeah, and the manga is starting up new chapters one every month. You're giving time to let something pass by. I hate the word normie. 
yeah, and then you didn't. So what's gonna be the cliffhanger? Is the cliffhanger for this episode gonna be the two of them drowning? Is it gonna be revealing Aya on top of the building? Again, I really, really, really hope we don't continue this plot this season. Just do a light novel. I I also am bullshitting yet again. As someone pointed out, I don't have the link in front of me. This is Sigma acting like you've done this to me before, when it's like you two haven't even known each other for 30 minutes yet. But what I was going to say is, is that these should have been their own episodes. You need to let the audience process what happened to Fukuzawa. And if I was restaging this, you have Atushi leave the room before we see Fukuchi stab Fukuzawa. You need to end this episode with Fukuzawa is dead. That's your conclusion. Or you need to plot everything out in a better fashion of intersecting storylines where... We got away from this back to the prison duel. We got away from that. And then we end the episode with Fukuzawa getting stabbed and the water coming into the elevator. You hit everything all at once. So Sigma is perpetually unemployed. In this economy, relatable. Oh yeah, your destination's at the end of this ride, all right. He checks the circuitry just in case. No traps. Yeah, that's a lie. He knows there's a trap. He prepared for this as well, which is how he's going to free the two of them. It had to have been a performance of him saying that aloud so that when Theodore is listening in that he thinks Dazai didn't know. And yeah, it's similar to Aya pointing on the performance for Bram in chapter 110. I should appreciate all of this. I'm not. I didn't notice the pawns that... Sigma had in their office. Eh, Sigma, they are using each other. So now we get the voice for the cat burglar, and we only got a few minutes left, so this is our cliffhanger. This doesn't feel like they're going to end the season like this, which pisses me off, and that fridging pisses me off as well. Oh, God, they ruined the cold and wet line. They didn't frame it well. The two of them don't look wet. Studio Bones, come on. You had the storyboarding already in the paneling. I appreciate the above-it-all shot of Dazai here. Yeah, they should have shown that earlier.
Except we saw it fill up with water, so... Yeah, who's he? Like, Fuguchi or Theodore? I don't like that argument either, because how was Theodore communicating with Fuguchi, or did Fuguchi plan that Theodore would already go to prison and knew it would be Merceau? I don't know how you would have intersected them, but the praying lines of God when Fukuzawa is bleeding out should have been intersected with this. I'm sorry, this is not how the season should have progressed. It needed something more to make this not feel so like a sputtering engine where Okay, you forget about the Fukuzawa story, now we're on the prison story, so no callback, no tying these stories together. I know this is probably just a reality of the manga to anime pipeline of production. It's not engaging, it's not interesting, it's just, here's one chapter adapted. Okay, later in the episode, this chapter's adapted. Okay, later in the episode, this chapter's adapted. I want something that ties these stories together. I haven't watched the One Piece live action series. I have zero interest in signing up with Netflix. I have zero interest in giving them one cent. But I can at least appreciate from the reviews I read that it seemed like the One Piece live action is taking chances and even spoiling stuff way ahead of time. I wish that an anime adaptation would do that. Well, let's see what the next episode title's gonna be. God damn it. It is now Thursday, September 7, 2023. I have stepped away from the episode to try to gather my thoughts before recording this next part. God damn it, they should have ended the season with this episode. The manga has not reached a conclusion. I read people thinking that even if the anime overtakes the manga, it will be a satisfying end to this arc. No. No, it won't. How, in two episodes, are we going to give closure to this arc without it being a shock ending where Fukuchi wins and may even rewrite reality, or a happy or at least bittersweet ending where Fukuzawa's story ends, Dazai's fate is revealed, we find out how Bram and Aya get out of this mess and reverse the vampiricism, and Fukuchi is defeated. And that's not even getting into how two episodes won't give an emotional closure on all that Atushi, Akutsukawa, Tashihara, and others went through the last two seasons. It is realistically possible that the next episode could end with chapter 110, with Aya trying to get herself killed, 
and even the season finale adapting stuff not yet in the manga. I'll talk more about that at the end of this discussion, about how it's more likely everything remaining in the manga will be stretched across two episodes. But just in case, prepare yourself that episode 11 may be entirely original, so if you want to avoid spoilers, avoid them. Let's talk about how much was cut from today's episode without giving room to really stretch out anything. They cut Kunikida saying he would lecture Aya, so we lose that bit of comedic relief. They cut Rompo looking shocked upon Fukuchi capturing Tanizaki and Kunikida, so we lose some emotional complexity to Rompo. We telegraph too early to the audience that Rompo is a non-factor to this story and will just be a prop. That robs Rompo of characterization and supposed relevance, and instead tells the reader too early that Rompo is just a prop. They didn't clarify that Fukuchi didn't even pull his sword out from his sheath to stab Rompo or to send a message from the future. On the one hand, I appreciate not overpowering Fukuchi like this. On the other hand, he still was able to do this without Rompo noticing. That is still overpowering him. And speaking of my ambivalence, they cut Fukuchi searching with the time travel sword to find Kunikida and Tanizaki. I am ambivalent. On the one hand, I appreciate not going back to that stupid time travel sword. On the other hand, it robs us of a moment showing Fukuchi using the sword in an intelligent manner, and it also makes Kunikida and Tanizaki look incompetent. Granted, Tanizaki already looked incompetent at this moment in the manga as well. Why didn't he use light snow to hide them? They knew vampires and the hunting dogs were after them. Heck, you could ask why Tanizaki didn't use light snow when trying to kill Mori when alone in his bedroom back in Season 3. At least in that case, he thought he and Mori were the only people in the room. Here in this airport, where they can't see around every corner? It is incompetent for Tanizaki to not use light snow. I know I keep saying you can't have your protagonists all be god-tier geniuses, or else that makes the story too easy, but when you introduce such a major power and don't have the characters showing they learn how to use that power better by learning from previous experiences, that is believable given human nature to repeat mistakes, but bad storytelling to fail to reinforce how prior events change a character. Tanizaki should have come out of the cannibalism arc a different man after being attacked by the Mafia. Heck, maybe having Yosano healing everyone is also making them too comfortable. That would almost be a good story to tell, about the agency being too lax because they depend on Yosano, or... Atushi thinking he'll always regenerate. The story tried to do that right before the cannibalism arc when the gang avenges the cafe master against the zoo park gang, except it didn't work. It started by making them look like they were slacking off, only to show, no, they are still on top of their game, but only because zoo park was made up of fools. The stakes should keep rising for the agency to move on from fighting the Mafia to fighting the Guild to the Rats to the Hunting Dogs to the Decay. Instead, the stakes go up 
and our characters aren't getting better to rise to that occasion. And since I did mention the guild a moment ago, cutting Fitzgerald from Atushi's imagined talk is so cheap on casting. But I did miss something that I only figured out when it was pointed out by Tumblr account Sad Emo Dip Die. This is a callback to Atushi constantly imagining the headmaster, only now it is Dazai who was directing him, and it was the agency in Akutagawa encouraging him. So, progress, I guess? I didn't notice how the scene had the orphanage stained glass as well. I was focusing too much on how they were reducing Atushi into an Evangelion Shinji XP when we already have Shinji literally voicing Tanizaki in the English dub anyway. I also failed to notice how much was condensed in Dazai and Sigma's talk because I was talking over it. In my defense, I think this is a bad approach to the story. I know that I have complained about cliffhangers creating a start and stop approach, but I also think that you should combine all of your moments into one episode that can stand alone. You rush the Fukuzawa and Fuguchi stuff, you deprived us of an episode called The Two Fukus, and now you want us to listen to Dazai's speech when the audience is still processing that Fukuzawa is dead? I know this is not a movie, I know I can pause streaming, but I also know this episode is broadcast on TV, and you really need to not create moments that distract the audience. I can't go from Fukuzawa is dead to deep and complex thought by Dazai as to why he values Sigma as a person. Stop sticking to the manga structure so closely. Vary things. Make plots intersect in different ways. You totally can have the Fukuzawa fight cut away if you're not going to animate more of it. You had that climax at the same time as Fyodor tells Dazai to prey upon his death. Show Dazai drowning at the same time as Fukuzawa is bleeding out. While I hate the rushing of plot details, there is something I wish we would get to already. Just tell us what Fukuchi is planning. Fukuzawa says Fukuchi would not take hostages if he was just going to destroy all nations. Okay, so does that mean someone in the agency, maybe even Fukuzawa, holds some key to achieve Fukuchi's real goal? Then hint at that. Just tell us something. Someone else has a theory that Fukuchi is doing all this to get Aya, which... No, that is too much. Unless we find out Aya's dad was with the Decay of the Angel and sent Aya to the airport for this reason, that is too much of a stretch. I can't find the post on Tumblr. I think the person may have removed it. I did screen cap part of it earlier, but didn't screen cap their name and don't want to out them anyway. But the idea is that Fukuchi did all this just to get Aya's ability to awaken. And if we went through this entire two-season arc just for Aya to be used as a human guinea pig, I'm going to be fucking pissed. But someone knows Fukuchi's real plan. Teruko reveals it to Atushi, but not us, what Fukuchi's real plan is. But Atushi is our audience surrogate, and you're not letting us in on this. Atushi now thinks Fukuchi is correct in what he is doing, but we don't know what that is. Explain, show, explain. Let's talk about stuff I got wrong. 
aside from how much I lied about the time travel swords. I had thought Teruko learned what Fukuchi was doing way back when Tachihara was killed. Now I reread the manga and see this episode, and no, she only learned the morning of this airport fight. But still, at no point did Teruko say, Hey boss, you still killed Juno and Tachihara, what the fuck? Also, that means Fukuchi invited both Juno and Teruko into the decay on the same day. I'm going to guess he successfully recruited Teruko before killing Juno. Did he also have Akutagawa right outside in case Teruko turned him down? Why did he feel like he needed to reveal himself to Teruko and Juno, but not Techo? Did he think Techo was just that loyal and wouldn't need to be told the truth? Also, while watching this week's episode, I had said that Chuya hadn't made such a large opening in the sealed prison room. Yes and no. In the manga, he did it to the floor to let water out. I had remembered it being a small dent in the floor. In the manga, it is a wide dent, and Theodore refers to the opening as just a slit, whereas the anime still makes it look larger than I think it should have. So, I got this wrong, blame it on the anime for making that hole still too big for Dazai to not stick around and notice that they left the sealed room. Just... God, this plotting sucks. It's bad enough having people think Sigma is supposed to be Ian Fleming, but to add Dazai be a Bond villain and not wait to make sure Theodore is dead is just stupid. And no, acting like Dazai intended for this to happen is like people who think All for One is that foolish in My Hero Academia because he meant to do that. No, All for One screws up that badly because, like comic book supervillains, he's a fascist, and fascists fuck up. Dazai here just made this silly mistake, but the story hasn't yet made it obvious why. Then again, this is the same guy who confronted Theodore while alone in an alley, and got shot for his troubles. That takes care of some of what I got wrong. What stuff did I miss? Tumblr account Dazai's Tabletop pointed out that in the manga, Dazai wasn't using Sigma as a human step stool. I don't know how I feel about that gag. We just had an entire thing of Dazai reaching out to Sigma in the hope of getting him to join the agency, only now to treat him like a tool. If you heard my review of chapter 110, yes, I'm still self-promoting that. I am really tired of characters being used as props. In the manga, Fukuchi slices that cherry blossom into forts, not in half. The broken heart imagery is clearer in the anime than in the manga. And what else did I not like? I don't think Bones nailed Fukuzawa's regret when refusing to join Fukuchi on the battlefield. They instead replace it with determination as he finishes his drink, takes up his sword, and announces how he will stop this war. The manga showed softness to Fukuzawa. The anime went with hard determination. That is a more boring choice. And I'm not sure where to put this part, so I'll just toss it in here. As I said repeatedly in this week's audio commentary, I lied about the time travel sword. In the trailer, we saw Fukuchi was going to win all along thanks to the time travel sword. For two seasons, I had talked up that time travel sword as the reason Fukuchi wins this fight. 
that was a mistake. I have made mistakes throughout the two seasons talking about this fight between Fukuzawa and Fukuchi. I had said repeatedly that Fukuchi wins because of time travel. That is not inaccurate, but it is not precise either. Here is where I was accurate. Fukuchi uses time travel to capture Rompo before Rompo can use Poe's book, which is something I have said repeatedly should have happened already, that someone should have used Poe's ability to trap Fukuchi. At least the story has addressed why that didn't work, and it is unsatisfying. The only reason Poe's book didn't work is because as soon as Rompo opened the book to capture Fukuchi, Fukuchi sent a warning to himself with the time travel sword, thus he was not pulled into the book. How much of this is my problem as a viewer, or Asagiri's problem writing technical explanations and power scaling, I don't know. But we need a time frame to know how quickly Poe's book can capture someone before they can act. I can believe Fukuchi used his sword at the last moment before being captured by the book. I can't know that when the story doesn't make that clear. So that's where I was accurate. Let's talk about where I was imprecise. I said Fukuchi wins his fight against Fukuzawa by time travel. No, that is not precise or true. Fukuchi used time travel to capture Rompo as far as the manga shows, Fukuchi sets aside his time travel sword to defeat Fukuzawa without that superpower. Fukuchi's choice is supposed to raise the stakes for both fighters and make it clear to the audience that Fukuchi won this fight fairly and seemingly killed Fukuzawa without needing additional power. This is supposed to wrap up their character arc, one introduced at the same time as this episode, so an arc that both begins and ends within a few chapters, Hardly some long-standing tension, but something hastily introduced so that it can end just as quickly, robbing any anticipation in the audience and just seeming like one more task that Asagiri wants to check off of his list. Task 1, kill Fukuzawa. Task 2, Fukuchi wins and can start World War 3. Task 3, question mark. Task 4, profits. We only learned in this same arc that Fukuchi has tied with Fukuzawa in their previous duels since they were children. It is supposed to feel like an earned victory for Fukuchi that his time on the battlefield, his time studying, and his self-improvement let him finally beat Fukuzawa. He didn't need tricks or time travel or abilities, he just won a fair fight against Fukuzawa. And then it's supposed to feel like a hollow victory because, as Bram Stoker said to Fukuchi, he has already cursed himself. So, Fukuchi wins the duel against Fukuzawa. So what? What did it win him? His childhood best friend is dead. He has given up all of his humanity to be a mindless, heartless soldier. He lost his life on the battlefield and came back undead and unfeeling. His time studying and improving himself left him separated from other people, whereas Fukuzawa put in his time building a community and protecting others. That should all be emotionally devastating for an audience. And instead, we only introduce this competition between Fukuzawa and Fukuchi in the same arc where Fukuchi finally wins the entire competition. Again, hindsight, but if this stuff could have been set up far earlier, it would have worked. Have Fukuchi mentioned he lost every match against Fukuzawa when we first see the two reunite in jail? Have Fukuchi mentioned it in the phone calls in the Season 4 light novel adaptation? 
have Fukushi mention it to Rompo when needling him at the UN or on the cruise ship, where Fukuchi is not only mocking Rompo for being the kid's sidekick who hasn't known Fukuzawa as long as he has, but that Fukuchi has also won so many matches against Fukuzawa, only for Rompo to snipe back that Fukuzawa won more of those duels. Set this up there so that the payoff hurts more. It is bothersome how underwhelmed I feel after Fukuzawa versus Fukuchi. It's not as if that fight was much better in the manga, although the manga had the benefit of getting to cut away to other moments so that we could imagine how cool the fight must have been up to that point. This is also why the anime should have cut to the prison duel, so that both stories could persist and end at similar moments of defeat, Fukuzawa bleeding out, Dazai drowning. It also makes the fight one-sided so that, of course, Fukuchi wins. My friend Alec Roach had an alternative approach to this episode. This season show started with this fight, so that we ask how we got here. I had a different idea, but a similar goal, that being you need some set-off for payoff later. I thought set up the competition between Fukuzawa and Fukuchi as early as their confrontation in jail, or even earlier in the season 4 opening light novel adaptation, so that this fight is the culmination. I think Alec's idea may have been better because, as he also said, that makes the fight into a time travel reference as well, if it's thematically. They really needed to bring up Fukuzawa and Fukuchi's rivalry earlier this season. It is a loss to not bring it up and then we wait an entire season to get to the fight advertised on the poster. We needed build up to honor the promise that this fight was coming, and now that it is here, we have both no setup and no payoff. This sucks. As it stands now, Rather than cutting away to other scenes, it just looks like a one-sided battle, and it shouldn't be. Make it so that Fukuchi is not enough without the time travel sword and has to stoop to that cheat to win. Make it so that he is tired and almost doesn't act in time against Fukuzawa. Fukuzawa is an assassin, Fukuchi is a brutal, war-tested monster. I get it, I get how Fukuchi can win this by going all out in this war. But there is something to be said for Fukuzawa using underhanded means. And we just don't get that in this fight. Not even setting up an earlier struggle for someone to ask whether he can kill his friends. That is missing here. Fukuzawa lost a part of his innocence in those assassinations. He put his sword away to protect Rompo. Now he is forced to kill his friends. That should be tense. Instead, the episode rushes through the fight to get to the prison duel. And that's not even getting into the failures of the animation here. It doesn't help that I re-watched parts of the Batman vs. Ninja Turtles movie before watching this sword fight. The Fukuchi and Fukuzawa fight just is not as good as Leonardo vs. Ross, or if you want a fisticuffs fight, Batman laying into Shredder. The music helped that Batman Ninja Turtles film, and the Bungo fight should be the better one for how brutal Fukuchi is against Rompo and Fukuzawa and how ready he is to take damage to himself. And it just doesn't work. I really am not here to criticize Studio Bones for everything. 
A studio like this does not make some great moments in Oron High School Host Club, Norgami, and My Hero Academia for me to insult their skill set. But this fight looks like a better version of Eternal Feather vs. Maka Albarn in Soul Eater Nod, also animated by Studio Bones. So many people, I think to an exaggerated degree, hated that fight due to how stilted and cartoony and exaggerated it was without purpose. Bungo at least keeps characters faceless and far away shots that, like the fisheye lens, seems like a stylistic choice, not just a budget saving choice. But that is barely the case with Fuguchi and Fukuzawa. The choreography is too much like what people don't like in the films Blade or Star Wars Episode 1, where it is less that the swords come together and hit each other because a character managed to block at the right moment, and more so that it was choreographed as such. At best, the story gives its own in-universe explanation. Fuguchi is again cheating with time travel, and Fukuzawa has known Fuguchi long enough to predict his fighting style. But just because you explained why doesn't mean you made it better. You just gave an excuse for why it doesn't look good. This is a small quibble, but staging Fukuzawa and Fuguchi against a bright blue sky is the same problem My Hero Academia had with its big war arc. It's too bright, it's too pretty, it's too happy. It fails to use all of that to contrast with how devastating this fight is or how creepy Fuguchi looks in Blood Red, or the flashbacks to each of these two men devolving into murderous beasts. The 30 minutes for Theodore and Dazai's duel is the reason we are stuck with this damn blue sky. You can't have the fight at sunrise or sunset, it is stuck here. We can't have it be cloudy or stormy, it is stuck like this. And that sucks. I do wish we had more atmosphere here, I think staging at sunset may have been better, or at least make it look earlier in the day when Ango calls the Japanese ambassador to the UN. That takes care of what I have to say about Season 5, Episode 9, aside from how it will impact the rest of this season. We'll get to that. Before we talk about what happens in the next episode, I want to go back to Season 5, Episode 8 to talk about some details I overlooked. I was ambivalent before and after watching Season 5 Episode 8, whether this episode would have been improved with a different story structure. I think that if Episode 8 had been released similar to Tales from Ba Sing Se in Avatar The Last Airbender, in which we introduce each part of the story as its own short story, I would have been less irritated with the structure, where each moment was forgotten as soon as we got to the next part. But that means we wouldn't have interrupted the story for Atsushi waking up in Teruko's torture room, which, now that I think about it, should have been saved for Season 5 Episode 9 anyway. And speaking of Season 5 Episode 9, I don't think that tale compilation would work here, as I really think dividing our attention between Fukuzawa and the prison duel was too much. But I do think the ending to this episode would have been improved and the fight between Fukuzawa and Fuguchi would have been improved if we cut between the prison duel and the Fukuzawa stuff so that both of those stories end with Fukuzawa bleeding out and Dazai drowning. On to another detail from Season 5 Episode 8. 
someone online, I apologize, I don't have the link handy to share right now, referred to the image of Sigma stepping on Theodore in their imagination as being a variation of the Rising Sun artwork. I'm not ignoring that as there. I also want to point out that the colors don't match. I can't really defend the choice by Bones though. That sun variation was not in the manga, so I don't know why it was added beyond needing the animations to pop, and I don't know why another variation in animation couldn't have been used. For the sake of avoiding, you know, rising sun imagery, don't do that. It's not that hard to say, let's not do that. It doesn't help that the real Rising Sun imagery was more likely in the color scheme when Teruko wanted to ride Atuchi's back. I hesitate to say that using those color suits a fascist like Teruko, as I think the iconography is going over the line and should not have been used. I should also talk about Dazai and Shuya in Season 5 Episode 8. When I discussed episode 8, I had said I didn't get much out of Dazai's regret for Chuya. Then I read other people's remarks about the episode, and geez, everyone was praising up and down Mamaru Miyano's performance as Dazai and the animation of his clenched smile. I can appreciate all of that. It just didn't register for me. And I have no idea whether the English dub will improve upon any of this. Let's set aside any sexual tension between these two, if only because I think reading their hostilities towards each other as repressed sexual tension doesn't convince me when the characterization seems so thin, and that's the problem. We haven't gotten enough of Dazai and Chuya to read them as anything but antagonistic. I understand the audience hearing a weakness in Miyano's performance that I didn't hear. I understand the audience seeing tension and sadness in Dazai's final smile that I didn't see. But the context of this story has not supported this. And if you tell me, then go read Stormbrainer, then that's a failure of the anime to adequately convey all of this within its own medium. If you want to read Chuya as having any affection for Dazai, then I need more than the pragmatic if you want me to read Chuya as just making excuses that he needs Dazai alive to continue to cancel out his corruption ability, then no, you can't keep making every scene be no, Chuya can't kill Dazai because he still needs him for his nullification ability. I need to see some affection coming from his side that, forget the cliche, is more Sundere than what we have gotten. If you want me to read Dazai as having any emotional regard for Chuya, then you need something akin to how we see Dazai is invested in Oda. And we just don't get that with Chuya. Everything is so much of a gag for Dazai. As I said when discussing the episode in the previous audio commentary, Studio Bones has already animated other scenes from the 15 Light novel, in their fight against Steinbeck and Lovecraft, in Dead Apple, Maybe even in Stormbringer, if it turns out this season ends with an adaptation of that light novel. In fact, all of those scenes should have been in that montage of Dazai's memories of Chuya, then end that montage with the hand holding from 15, and Bones dropped the ball, just showing only the hand holding and nothing else. If you want to give fans something to cheer on this character dynamic, you already had the footage, edit a better montage. And bonus, if you have already animated parts of Stormbringer, 
you include that in the montage to get the audience excited for the possibility that we're getting a Stormbringer adaptation to end this season, or to start the next season, or to be released in theaters. And that leads to the next part. I want to talk about Season 5 as a whole right now, as well as Season 4, because this is not working. I know I am being a caustic critic. I know that I probably had similar criticisms about Seasons 1 and 2 before I got more fond of them. I know that I'm not like other people who cheer on this series with empty platitudes about best season of anime ever, or Fukuchi Sword is the best anime weapon ever, because this isn't it. Seasons 4 and 5 had enough missteps that failed to satisfy in multiple ways. It doesn't satisfy as a work in itself because we aren't reinforcing the Chuya and Dazai dynamic with stuff that was already animated, and stuff that may be animated but not yet released. It doesn't satisfy as a story within itself for Eternal Logic, where a time travel sword destroys any sense of forward momentum for protagonists, making, at least me and the audience, bored that nothing is getting better for the protagonist, especially when Ajushi is losing battles up and down that, based on what we have seen him accomplish before, he should have won now. It doesn't satisfy as a marketing ploy, not only for failing to hype up a potential Stormbringer adaptation, but also because it's not making me want to pick up the manga, beyond the fact that the manga and the light novels do a better job with pacing for this kind of a story, perhaps indicating that Pungo Stray Dogs is better as a light novel series, rather than a manga where cliffhanger after cliffhanger gets exhausting, or an anime where the pacing leaves emotional beats to end too soon, and fight scenes that are not as clever or as well animated as they could be. And that's not even getting into how this is supposed to be an anime advertising a manga, but now it looks like the anime will overtake the manga. That is bad adaptation. A friend had described one problem with these seasons as this. Why aren't the hunting dogs more compelling? They face off against the agency, but what is gained in each fight? How does Teruko inform how we understand Atsushi, and vice versa? I think Tetsuo helps develop Kenji, but it's disappointing that I get more out of Tetsuo against Kenji than I do Tetsuo interacting with Juno. We shouldn't have had Fukuchi here to point out how Fukuzawa is no saint either, and we don't do that. Maybe the problem is my fault given my ignorance of not just the works by the hunting dog authors, but also by many other Japanese authors. When we see the guild authors, even with little information within the Bungo series, I get who they are immediately, because Asagiri doesn't have to focus on characterization when he can use literary shorthands. For example, the real-life Steinbeck was concerned about the rights of laborers and wrote about what one person will do for their large family, and that is why we understand there is more to Steinbeck going on when he talks about his family and why, despite his labor instincts, he is working for a greedy money man like Fitzgerald. Steinbeck then informs how we understand where Tanizaki is coming from, and how he too will defend his sibling no matter what. We're made to care about each side in that fight. And this keeps going. The story of Anna Green Gables informs the character of Lucy, so we get how she and Antushi reach an understanding due to shared childhood circumstances and traumas. 
The story of the real-life Fitzgerald informs the character's wife and child. So even as he faces off against Fukuzawa, Atushi, and Akutagawa, we want him to succeed at bringing the family back together. We understand the dynamic of Poe and Rompo as a reversal of the real-life author's roles as inspiration and legacy. Plus, we get to see a version of Edgar Allan Poe that we haven't seen before as a pretty shy, awkward goth boy, and one whose presence in the story still progresses characters like Rompo and Ogre. For these reasons as a whole, I cannot call this anime a failure. Not after the guild arc, not with some good animation on the season 3 fight against Gone, not with the characterization of Lucy and Poe and Fitzgerald and Alcott, and I can't call seasons 4 and 5 failures either. I have my criticisms that we have left Yosano out of the story for too long, but her origin story was effective. And I can't ignore how good the Rompo and Fukuzawa light novel adaptation was. I can't ignore how adding Fukuchi to that light novel helps set up the Decay of the Angel arc and the parallels between Fukuchi and Oda. But I can still criticize how that light novel adaptation should have done better at progressing Fukuchi. He's just there as the obvious villain. There is no tension about whether you can trust him. He is framed so often as the obvious bad guy that you easily accept he is Kamui rather than feeling any shock when he's revealed to be Kamui. Hindsight and all, but this would have been better if Fukuchi was a presence throughout this anime since episode 1. And there are so many other ways you could have brought Fukuchi into this story earlier. I'm not necessarily saying there is something there to fan theories that Fukuchi was behind the Stormbringer experiments that led to Chuya or to Shibusawa's torture of Atushi that led to his Were-Tiger ability, but it is there with Fukuchi and the hunting dogs having their bodies and abilities augmented. But no, ignore all of that. I just mean, if Fukuchi is such an international war hero who has had films made about his life, then show that in background gags. Make it clear that he has always been there. If this anime ever got a reboot, I would want to set up his story far earlier so that his threat felt earned. As it stands now, any supposed threat that Fukuji poses isn't earned. It's just some guy who pulls one more weapon out of his arsenal when the plot says so. Atushi and Akutsugawa are too much for him? Fukuji has a time travel sword. The Agency, the Guild, the Mafia, and Ango are all opposed to him? Fukuji has a vampire outbreak with a fate-stained knight sword. Aya kidnaps Bram? Fukuji gets one order. It is the plot demanding Fukuji win. That would work in a meta sense of literary tropes, but Bungo Stray Dogs does not feel self-aware enough to comment on that. If you want to hear me whine about how Bungo fails at being self-aware about literary tropes, I will again plug my recent audio remarks about chapter 110 and how Aya's decision reeks of a character making a decision because she thinks the plot will save her, not because it's believable that she would do this. One more point I'll make about Fukuchi. It's not as if the man does not have reasons to be upset, and yet the story still fails to make me feel anything for him. Yes, Fukuzawa should join him on the battlefield. He didn't, Fukuchi is right to be upset. Yes, Fukuzawa still ended the war, way too late, and through very unethical means, Fukuchi is right to be upset. 
Yes, Bukaji went through trauma and hell because the UN and other governments did not give a shit to stop this war. Bukuchi is right to be upset. Yes, Bukuzawa did not rejoin him after the war and instead created his own surrogate family. Bukuchi is right to be upset. Yes, Bukuzawa preaches about justice and fairness and protecting the weak, while he was Natsume's stooge and unintentionally, although, let's face it, by the Campbellism arc, intentionally, helped install Mori into the Port Mafia, where he was able to continue the madness and crimes of the former boss, while also permitting Mori to get Ryu and Gin, Akutagawa's friends killed, get Oda's orphans killed, then Oda himself killed, Let's Mori and Power to unleash Q onto the city before they fell into Fitzgerald's hand and unleashed who knows how many deaths, and on and on and on. Of course, Fukuchi is right to be upset. And that's not even getting into Fukuzawa then working with the Japanese government, and we have seen the shit Taneda and Ango were up to, whether their hands in Dragon's Head, or the Dead Apple event, or... Heck, I'm probably forgetting stuff from the Ayusuji light novel. Again, in big flashy neon signs, Fukuji is right to be upset with Fukuzawa. And yet, I like Fukuzawa, and I hate Fukuchi. Because Fukuchi is a goddamn fucking fascist, so fuck that guy, and fuck this series endorsing his bullshit. I don't think I've done enough of a retrospective on seasons 4 and 5 taken together. I think some storyboarding and action scenes were well done. Dazai and Sigma's dance, Fukuzawa versus the members of V in the season 4 opener, the color schemes in the Kenji origin story flashback, and in the breakup of Fukuzawa and Fukuchi. But for each of these and more, there are flawed parts. Theodore is not as frightening to me in the security room. Not giving Kunikita that sad smile when talking about Kenji's past. Not adding more to the fight scenes of Fukuchi versus Tachihara and Fukuzawa, rushing and under-animating Akutagawa's death. The music has been... fine. I don't think the song when Atushi kills Fukuchi added enough. The opening theme song is the most morose, deflating crap I have heard from this series. The hunting dog's theme remains an aural bane. I can't speak enough to the acting especially as I haven't listened to enough of the English dub. Gogol's actors remain excellent in the English and Japanese dubs. Landon McDonald continues to impress as Rompo. It sucks that more characters are off to the sidelines despite their obvious presence in the story. Where is Lucy? Where is Poe? Where is Yosana? Where is Kyoka? Where is Katai? Let's wrap up this way-too-long audio commentary already with what to expect for the next episode. We're getting part 3 of this shit. I'm not happy. Episode 10 may very well adapt everything left in the manga. This week's episode ended with chapter 105.5. The most recent chapter as of September 4, 2023 is chapter 110. That's not a lot of content left. That could be fitted into two episodes, maybe even just one. What is left in the manga so far? Let's list the next plot details. Chapter 106, Aya has a flashback to the pressures her father put onto her after her mother died and then after her sister died. 
Aya wakes up to find herself on top of the airport's control tower with Bram next to her. Bram is tied up. Bram explains that Kutagawa left both of them up there as bait to draw out Atushi and the others. We are going to have to debate whether Kutagawa indeed is setting a trap or whether he is honoring his agreement with Atushi not to kill. Chapters 106 and 106.5 move back to the prison duel where the elevator fills up both with the water and fire on top. Dazai saves Sigma from asphyxiation, enjoy that shippers, and manages to fire a bullet into that control panel he was fiddling with in this week's episode. While that opens the elevator door, Spiador disconnects the elevator to send it plummeting. There's not enough time for Dazai to get out, for plot reasons, no good reasons, so Dazai kicks Sigma out and tells him it's up to him now. Is this all enough for just episode 10? I'm not convinced. What else could episode 10 adapt? Chapter 107 begins with Atushi running to find Fukuzawa, who is probably already dead, give or take his ability still being in effect, when Atushi realizes he isn't hearing Dazai's instructions and wonders what that means. If this is supposed to suggest Atushi has now risen to be the real protagonist, or to be a schemer like Dazai, I'm not convinced. Atushi finds Aya and Bram, but Aya tells him it is a trap, Akutsugawa appears, Atushi attacks Akutsugawa, who doesn't block or defend with his ability, so Atushi manages to break his arm. Instead of seizing on this opportunity, Atushi just stares. Atushi, you're doing bad, honey. Akutsugawa then heals himself, because vampire. So Atushi should think Akutsugawa can handle any of this, just beat him near to death and get up to free Aya and Bram. Nope, Atushi is going to feel guilty for two chapters and not go all out in this fight. Again, this writing is stupid. Atushi then stops the fight to ask why Akutsugawa saved him, when it is apparent Akutsugawa, even if influenced by his true self, is still being mind controlled. Again, stupid writing. Also in chapter 107, Sigma finds in the prison hallway a note written in Russian asking for help. Also in the prison, Dazai has crawled out of the elevator with at least one broken leg. Fyodor watches from the security cameras, so, you know, he would already see Sigma is still alive. Before Fyodor can act, Sigma shoots him. Theodore tries to convince Sigma to stop by pointing out that Dazai is just using him. Sigma does the only smart thing he will do in this arc, stop listening to Theodore and interrogate as to what his ability is. I think that'd be a good place for episode 10 to stop, but given what Bones is doing and how fast the pace is, I think they will make this the halfway point and keep adapting at least one more chapter. Chapter 107.5 begins with Aya spotting a radio inside the control tower. She hears Fukuchi on it saying he will start his attack in five minutes. So this takes place around when Fukuchi stabs Fukuzawa, messing up the sense of time in this arc. Bram is silent. As Aya then realizes, Akutsugawa brought Bram back to Fukuchi to get direction to start the vampire attack. Aya is upset that Bram is treating this as inevitable. Bram says he did it to protect her. Aya says they need to get the sword out of him. He says she lacks the strength to do that. 
I talk about this in the chapter 110 review. I don't think Bram means physical strength. We then see that Bram is so devoted to Aya because she reminds him of some woman or girl he knew. Whether that was in the past, an alternate dimension, or another timeline is not yet clear. Aya tries to pull out the sword. That is enough to be an entire episode. I really hope they don't try to adapt more and just leave the rest for episode 11. But there is something else to mention. We didn't get a light novel adaptation this season. This season could very well adapt the rest of the manga arc and then there is nothing in the Bungo anime for a while until there are enough chapters to get to another one or two anime seasons. I thought that would mean Bones will switch back to the one anime, but my friend Alec Roach pointed out that without a light novel adaptation, Bones could fill in time in between seasons with a movie. Alec thought that would be a film adapting a light novel. But I fear whether we're going to instead get another original story like Dead Apple. And if you think I didn't like this season, then you don't know how much I really don't like Dead Apple. Then Tumblr account Meru Saitai suggested that maybe it'll be a film to finish this arc, a la the finale to Gintama. If they make the story good, fine, sure, let's end this freaking arc already. But I'll wrap up there for today. There's been enough negativity. Thank you so much for suffering through what is becoming less and less enjoyable of a watch, as I'm sure my complaining is getting more and more annoying. Do you think there was enough time devoted to the Fukuzawa and Fuguchi fight? I appreciate the color and symbolism on their meeting and separation. I just think the pace is too fast. And what do you think is really Fuguchi's secret plan? Let me know your thoughts in the comments section or email me, derek.s.mcgrath at gmail.com. If you have enjoyed this commentary, please consider contributing at coffee.com slash derek.s.mcgrath or patreon.com slash derek.s.mcgrath. Special thanks to Alec Roach, Emily Lauer, and Alexis Duran. Next week, I'll record audio commentary for Season 5, Episode 10, Episode 60 overall, of Bungo Stray Dogs, titled Land of Inhuman Demons Part 3. Until then, I've been Derek S. McGrath. You have a good day. Bye.